You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and today we are very happy to have Amy Stringer of A Heirloom in the studio with us. Thank you for being here, Amy. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Ann. Yeah, so, um, well, so Amy's company is fantastic. A Heirloom um, makes... Uh, state-shaped cutting boards, which Correct. Yes. as, you know, a cheesemonger, you know, the, these are the things that we covet. Um, and so uh, we thought we've devoted some shows in the past to cheese tools and things that we use in the cheese world that uh, relate to the cheese, but aren't the cheese. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about cutting boards and about um, Amy's business. Um, so can you give us a brief rundown of how you got started and um, how you wound up making, uh, making these boards? Certainly. It's actually kind of an amazing story at the moment because we're coming full circle. Because um, when I got married in 2010, I came to your shop and we worked on um, ordering special cheeses and sort of organizing an entire cheese display slash eating phenomenon um, for our wedding. And um, we decided we needed something very sort of unique um, to display the cheese that we had chosen from Saxelby Cheesemonger, <laughs> plural. And um, we crafted the state-shaped cutting boards with our CNC router. Um, my husband and I um, made Connecticut and Michigan, which are our home states. And we added a heart to our hometowns. Um, and we made them really large because we ordered a ton of cheese. And after the wedding, I decided to put them on Etsy. And it's been a bit of a phenomenon ever since. That is crazy. Well, so first of all, you throw the word CNC router around <laughs> like it's just something that like everybody has in their house. Right. Yeah. What, what is a CNC router? A CNC router is a computer numerically, numerically controlled router bit. So it's a, a rather large robot arm that digitally um, cuts material on a 4x10 bed or smaller bed. And essentially, it follows an X and Y coordinate axis. So basically, you can get great borderlines. You can get, for states in particular, and you can get very accurate sort of cutouts and outlines. So I think that's part of the magic that makes them very specific and very um, graphic and very, um, you know, popular because they're very accurate. Yeah. So we're getting some great borderlines on like the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula of Michigan and... So that's that's an interesting challenge right there off the bat. I mean, if you're ordering a Michigan board, you know, you have two, two pieces. Parts, two and if parts. you're ordering a Hawaii board... You have multiple... How many is that? It's like five, five? six, seven. There's yeah. a lot, a lot of pieces. And then which ones do you count? It's like, you know, then there's all the little, you know, islands. Massachusetts islands. I think that's... I mean, they're very whimsical. They're very accurate. And I think Michigan is actually the one that kind of put us on the map with press and gift guides because it was two parts and it is accurate and people were like 
for many years, I've only gotten the lower peninsula. I've never gotten the upper. <laughs> so this is great. It's in two parts. It's perfect. And As a Midwesterner, I really appreciate right, that. Exactly. I've been to the upper peninsula. And you can't forget the you upper peninsula. You cannot take it off the map. No. no. It, it be- they belong together. The Upers. Mm-hmm. They, they need their shout out. Although they always want to just get the upper peninsula, not the lower peninsula. So, <laughs> But we, we do not sell them separately. That's, that's against the rules. That's against the rules. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. So you're from Michigan or your husband's from Michigan? I am from Michigan. Michigan. What yes. part originally? Um, I'm from the Detroit area, so I went to Michigan and I worked uh, and lived in Ann Arbor for many years. So, mm-hmm. and um, any any crossover with the Zingerman's world? Of course, that's another reason why we're here is because of my many years at Zingerman's. Um, I worked in the bread box. I did not work in the cheese at, at the cheese counter. Although okay. I fondly, you know, thought of them as rock stars, essentially, while <laughs> I just sort of hung out with all of that amazing bread, but. Yes, I did spend some time at Zingerman's. That's mm-hmm. really great. That's really great. I feel like in some ways all roads lead to Zingerman's. It's amazing. You have to. If you're a Midwestern, you have to give props. It's sure. true. Erin Fairbanks, who's the executive director of the radio network here, she grew up in um, northeastern Michigan, and mm. she, too, worked at Zingerman's for quite a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Zingerman's. Yeah, coolest job in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Coolest small business, too. Well, there's a lot of good small business, but it's it's awesome. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so that brings me... So so you put them on Etsy, you right. know? And yes. it became a phenomenon. I mean, I feel like that's everyone's dream. Um, it is I wanted to talk to you about what is it like to do business on Etsy? Because I feel like there's such a lot of stuff right. out there. And so how did you kind of navigate I think that we took great pictures. I mean, it's it's on all of Etsy's blogs and all of um, you know all of their encouragement for new sellers and whatnot. And it's kind of true for the internet in general. We just really tried to, you know, put cheese on these boards. So each board, all fifty states, has a cheese that's somehow trying to represent that region or that regional sort of like food um, or state, you know food of some sort. So we tried to be, you know, have 50 individual beautiful photographs. And I think the cheese certainly helps um, make them extremely recognizable. And we've been copied. So I guess we're doing something correct. Yeah, there's something about one of my good friends is a um, product photographer for uh, Macy's for their website or for Macy's online. And, um, and he was like, context is such a big part of these photographs because when people see the product being used in a way that they can imagine themselves Mm -hmm. using it, Mm -hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. So those must've been pretty fun photo shoots. I mean, I'm a novice, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, my husband and I, we did it. We just spent a couple of days and I, you know, I, I really want to update the photos, but it just, it it would break my heart a little bit to just have to redo them because they were so sort of like orchestrated. Maybe that's a book project. I know. I know. You have like, you know, the archives of uh, your photos. Put the flowers, like the state flowers. I mean, there's so much state pride. You could just kind of go crazy with props and just kind of really get specific. Yeah. Now, I mean, it must've been really difficult to source all these props. What was that process like? We were pretty naive back then. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we were kind of like, oh, Maine, blueberries, you know, so we just, you know, kind of go with it. And I think now that we've sort of been in the business for about three years, you definitely see the little cracks and the little like, you know, things that you'd like to do better. And so I just at this moment, I'm just blocking it out of my mind because it's a big project and I really want to redo it right. But 
it would take more time this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you know, those things. Oh yeah. Once you get the groundwork in place, the thought of changing it kind of makes you cringe a little bit. It's exciting, but it kind of makes you cringe at the same time. I mean, I know we're going to do it and we need to do it in the near future, but I just, I'm happy people still sort of, and that's the other thing too. People really um, respond to those photos. They know those photos. Editors call us, they use our photos so it's kind of like, ooh, if we change this, something, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. Right. So it's working. Definitely. But as innovators, as <laughs> right. you have been, you know, right. it always behooves you to stay ahead right. of the curve. Everyone wants so, new. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's true. I think about that sometimes. We were always being asked, oh, what do you have that's new at You're the like, shop? And I'm like, that's not the point. Exactly. I'm like, we want to develop relationships with the producers we work exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, if we find something new and fabulous, we'll bring it on. But that's not the the it's, purpose of our business. No. And it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to kind of just stay true to what the initial concept is. And just if people are still enjoying it, then there's really not a lot of reason to tweak everything all the time. Yeah, exactly. Which is a similar business concept to Zingerman's in a way, you know, they kind of started out and they have this foundation and it works and they're updating, but they're not changing not radically changing yeah and you as well (laughs) oh well thanks I don't know if I if I deserve to be put in that company but absolutely (laughs) um well so let's back up a little bit I guess so how did you go from just you know your average couple with a CNC router to cutting board makers what were you doing before you were making cutting boards well we actually are trained architects and we met at school so we're you know kind of generally thinking crafty things and with my sort of Midwest craft fair background, I kind of came up with something that I never in a million years thought I'd be doing and almost dreaded the idea of something (laughs) so kitschy, but it's, you know, it worked. So, I mean, I guess Bill and I had, um, we had a company together um, after school and we did a lot of fabrication work. um, And then I moved on and worked in retail and tried to figure out what kind of architecture I wanted to do, what kind of design I wanted to do. And then um, 2009, the big, you know, financial crash down yeah mm-hmm. sort of really steered me off in another direction and I was freelancing and I was really looking for work so this um, business is just an amazing happy success story because I was really sort of struggling after the wedding with what to do next and how to support our family and um, you know how to add to our income and this just happened and it happened it happened six months in, six months after the first photos, so that's pretty quick. Yeah. And that's great, and that's wonderful. But I guess I've been working on projects and things and making things for a lot of years, so it's just this one idea kind of clicked. Yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting what you mentioned because, you know, of course, after the meltdown um, happened, you know, the 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 scale of projects that people were doing absolutely really um, diminished. People cut back on really big stuff, mm-hmm. but um, the cutting boards or, you know, that idea, it's like something that's very high quality, but yet right. very accessible for everybody. And well, so it's a nice way to bring your craft to a lot of people. Exactly. And it's like people have focused in on the maker, which is similar to like how cheese, you know, is done. You're focusing on the farms and the makers and people are focusing on the story behind the product now. Um, and they don't want to sort of necessarily buy into a larger cultural idea of what you have to have. They're looking at who's making what and how. Yeah. Well, that, um, so 
you know, here we are it, 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 sitting in the shipping container slash studio I'm, at Roberta's. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we're kind of in the epicenter in some ways of like you oh, know, yeah. this idea of like oh, Brooklyn yeah. makers. Right. I know. It's so crazy. I was just in Italy for um, the Slow Food Cheese Conference last oh, week. Oh, exciting. Which was great. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so interesting talking to people internationally about living in New York. And everyone yeah. says, oh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bizarre. So how, how do you guys, how do you see yourself as sort of a part of that do-it-yourself everyone craft asks, yeah. movement? I mean, I don't know. It's, I think, you know, I've lived off and on in Brooklyn for 13 years. So I've been here a while. Um, and I don't know, Bill's like, Bill was asking me the other day, he's like, are we Brooklyn? And I'm like, or he's like, are we part of Brooklyn? I'm like, we are Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I don't know what that means though. I think we've just been working really hard. We've been hustling for a lot of years. I mean, he works really hard on fabrication projects still. He still has his company, but we've been lucky because we've found space um, and we've just sort of been pretty focused on what we were doing. But I don't, I don't know. We could, I don't know if we could do it anywhere else. I think it's great because you have the proximity to like people who are interested in these projects and we just sort of got carried off in this movement. But I don't know if it is, I don't know. I, don't I, know. I feel like, yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's kind of a collective conscience thing. You know, yeah. it's like, you're not um, coming here because you want to make something in Brooklyn. You're coming, right. you're, you're here because you're a creative person. And, you know, that's just what's kind of happening. It's almost like mushrooms, you know, sprouting up exactly. after rain. You know, yeah. there's just all these people here making great things. It's true. Yeah, we're, we're kind of bystanders. We're like, wow, okay, it's really, okay. Great. Yes, we are part of Brooklyn. We are making things here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. Well, it's time for us to take a really quick break. But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about uh, A Heirloom and, uh, and uh, State Shape Cutting Board. So stay with us. Great. Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm. Spanning the rolling hills of Vermont's Champlain Valley and easternmost Washington County, New York, 300-acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. Rotational grazing on pesticide-free and fertilizer-free pastures produces the sweetest milk and the tastiest cheese. All of their cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves. Consider Bardwell Farm is also a big supporter of Heritage Foods USA's No Goat Left Behind program. No Goat Left Behind is a serious effort launched in 2011 by Heritage Foods USA designed to introduce goat meat to American diners and provide a sustainable end market for dairy animals. For more information, please visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. 
All right, and we are back on Cutting the Curd. Um, you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, www.heritageradionetwork.org. Um, you can listen to Cutting the Curd and a whole host of other shows, um, as well as breaking food news. Um, so definitely check out the website. I'm here today with Amy Stringer, who is one of the owners of A Heirloom. Um, and we are talking about your sort of signature item, which is your state-shaped cutting boards that people can use for cheese or anything, really. Mm-hmm. You know, picnicy kitchen. You know, oriented. Um, they're be- they're very very beautiful. Um, and if people want to find out more about your business um, or purchase these cutting boards, what is the best venue for them to do so? I mean, at this point, I think Etsy for sure. We have a great booming Etsy shop and it's very easy to order since it's a custom piece. So you can really write in the details that you want and just make sure things are very clear. Our own website is developing and (laughs) it should be like a little bit more straightforward in January. But I mean, all you have to do is do a search for us, I guess, on the Etsy site. Yeah. And it's just capital A, heirloom, and that's it. Very good. Very good. So um, right before the break, we were talking about um, Brooklyn and this kind of creative movement that's happening in Brooklyn. Everyone thinks that Brooklyn's the hippest, you know, <laughs> center of everybody making everything from, you know, craft beer to, um, you know, you name it. Um, spoons. Wooden spoons. Wooden spoons, <laughs> knives, you know, kombucha it's it's all it's all here um and you guys are you have a production space in the brooklyn navy yard is that right it's true we moved there in march and we're finally really up and running and it's a great space a great view and i don't know there's a lot of things going on in the navy yard and a lot of manufacturing um they're renovating some of the old ship hangers and they're adding um, all sorts of studio spaces for small business owners um and i think I mean, honestly, I think the push at the Navy Yard is manufacturing and bringing back these small-scale manufacturing companies, CNC routers, laser cutters, 3, 3D printers, all sorts of digital technology. So that's I think that's really interesting. Um, the Navy Yard is managed by the city. Isn't that true? It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the Economic Development Corporation or a different... Uh, arm of the city. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what the ins and the outs are at the moment. I'm getting more and more acquainted, but I do think I wouldn't know right off. Yeah. No, I only ask the Essex market where we have our shop is managed by the Economic Development Corporation. And I feel like they're one of those groups that has like all these really interesting parcels all over the city. Right. What are their, what's, is it, what's their acronym? Because I see it on posters and. Oh, NYCEDC. Yeah, they're there. Yep. Yep. I'm sure they are. (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) That's uh, so I feel like, yeah, that you, you ride your, I ride my bike past the Navy Yard and you see these signs that said, you know, we used to build ships and now now we launch small businesses. (laughs) We used to launch ships. Now we launch small businesses. So what is the community like in there? And, um, yeah, just talk a little bit about what else is happening in the Navy Yard. Um, the community in the Navy Yard is, um, I mean, it seems like it sort of ranges between like artists, studio artists and product designers and then real manufacturing companies that are doing real woodwork, set design. Um, you know, I'm trying to think there's a there's a there's a distillery for whiskey. I believe they've gotten this amazing space to do whiskey. And I mean, the community is we're actually working a little bit with building 92. So they've reached out to us, which is the sort of the welcome center and the newest building on the yard. Mm. And they have, um, they have a museum and we're working on some, um, 
gift shop items for them. So, I mean, in terms of the community, they know we're here. We didn't know that we're there. They didn't, we didn't know that they knew we were coming and they've reached out to us immediately to sort of, um, do something specific for the yard. Um, and I, I mean, that's great that they are excited about us when we didn't even know that they knew we existed. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that seems like a perfect tie in. I mean, um, it's it's an interesting destination, the Navy Yard. I haven't been to the Visitor Center yet, right? Um, but I'm very eager to check it out, and I feel like... I think they're starting to do tours, too, and they actually started running a public city bus through the yard, so I do think that it's not a space that you can kind of walk around, because I've tried to take my son in with a stroller recently, and they've been like, no, no strollers, no kids, so they don't really... <laughs> You know, they're not like, this is not a family place, but it's a place of, you know, business. But I think they're trying to open it up to people that are interested in what goes on there. Yeah, that's interesting. The one time that I've been, um, I went to the Brooklyn Grange, which mm-hmm. is the big oh, yeah, yeah, rooftop yeah. farm right. there. And um, we came in through the gates that were near the tow pound, you know, right. um, near Dumbo. And um, it was kind of like, it felt very official, you right. know, um, coming through. We Checklists to, and things like that. Exactly, exactly. So they are serious about monitoring it, um, but they've, you know, they've re, they're redoing all the entryways and they're trying to come up with a better system to get people in and out. That's really great. That's, uh, well, it's very exciting to see all that, uh, yeah, all the new business um, happening there. And so for your business, um, you made this move. Um, what are your plans for the future and do you plan to expand your line into other things or you Absolutely. know do different projects? You know, I think it's really important to sort of stick to things that you're sort of passionate about and you know, housewares, kitchen items and things that are specific. It's almost like picking a little cultural food niche and like going with like a new product that some of those folks might be really excited about. So we worked on we're working on this really nice cocktail model. Um, Mm. and it kind of mixes hardwoods. We tried to move away from the bamboo because the state shapes are pretty specifically made out of bamboo. So we're working with more hardwoods and trying to find things that are, you know, sustainably sourced and working with some other materials like Corian, which is a countertop material, but really translates well into like, you know, the tip for the crushing of ice and things like that with the muddle. I think the point for us is always to keep things personalized. So we, you know, laser engrave these models with like initials and sayings and recipes and, you know, just trying to keep the item beautiful, but yet somehow find a way to personalize it. I think that's really the key for us is the personalization. Yeah. And where, how do you feel about that? I mean, cause as you scale up your business, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I imagine it becomes more difficult to kind of do everything completely personalized do you want to kind of encourage personalization all the time or kind of diverge into having a line right a little bit more set and then personalization is kind of a side thing or is that really at the core of what you guys do it's interesting too because we do we have a we're working on a fair amount of wholesale accounts large and small um and people really respond to just the state shapes without the heart house or star on the town of your choice kind of thing so as long as we're making beautiful things that are well sort of proportioned, that, that are designed to work, I think they can kind of stand on their own. And the personalization is just sort of an added sort of exciting aspect of it, of the product. So yeah, I'd like to make good design that's like enticing and looks beautiful. And you just kind of want it regardless of putting your name on it or your initials. Yeah, absolutely. But what a unique thing. I mean, I feel like in the marketplace... 
there are a lot of beautiful things out there, obviously, but right. to be able to have something like one of your cutting boards or, um, you know, a cocktail model or something with these very specific things on them, I mean, really makes a beautiful gift. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gift giving solvers. <laughs> <laughs> make, make other people look really good. Right, yeah. Specific. We try to be specific as, as specific as we can. And so, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your interface with the cheese community has been? I know we talked about you guys had a booth uh, this right. year at the American Cheese Society Conference. And has the cheese community in particular sort of gravitated towards you and glommed on because it's there's such great synergies? You know, it's interesting because I definitely, I mean, the photos definitely sparked a lot of interest right off the bat. And our early, our very, very early wholesale um, customers or interest was from cheese shops. Um, and most of those customers that we sort of got as wholesale customers in 2010, late, are still with us and they're still sort of known for having the cheese and then having the board. So I think also, you know, with the American cheese society, having their conference in Madison, we have a Madison, Wisconsin board that's just filled with cheese. So they, you know, gravitated towards that photograph and they used our outlines and that's kind of how we ended up at the conference. And for me, the conference was like a mini reunion. I was like, (laughs) I I was like blown away and I'm like, Oh, there are these people out here that are still impassioned by this, you know, just because I left, they're still doing it. You know, this is something that they're just going to be doing for the rest of their lives. They love this. I mean, I got to see, you know, people from Neil's Yard because I spent a little time in London, not at Neil's Yard, but at the coffee company, the Mammoth Coffee Company. Oh, right. Yeah. So I worked for them for a little while. I've always been like working alongside of cheese, not at the cheese, but near the cheese. So, Well, you know, all those things go really well with cheese bread, good right. coffee. Right. Yeah. It's the same. It's like this wonderful personality of a person that just really is like needs that taste sensation and understands like the regional differences and can taste, you know, the elements in the final product basically. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of cheese now, like that cheese conference was awesome. It was just fun. People get very excited about the little knickknacks and items and supplies that can go with cheese. And it, it just sort of like made me realize I need to focus in on like a different food preparation product like every year every six months and just kind of I have to stay in touch with that community of people that is just sort of inspired by all things food and cheese yeah yeah because if you think of it there's something specific for the coffee world that would you know everyone has their their kind of tools that they that they love so that's a that's a really nice challenge for for yourself as well and they're great people they're so responsive and friendly yeah, yeah. So. Well, and I feel like, you know, as a cheesemonger, sometimes you, you, you need something, mm-hmm. and you need a tool, and it doesn't exist. So to be able to um, be on the other end of that and say, oh, here's an opportunity right. to craft something that's going to be very beautiful and very useful for a different, you know, group of people is really great. Yeah. And I mean, you also, f- people were pointing out, well, you could do like a whole Oregon cheese display on an Oregon board and just have Oregon cheeses and place them regionally. And, you know, they just had all these different ideas and you kind of forget that there are cheeses 
there are different kinds of cheese in every state. You know, there's different cheesemakers that are, you know, very impassioned by which region, what is made in, you know, like different things are made. I know. Well, actually, so it's it's funny because our next show that's coming up is um, the state of cheese in Florida. We've, oh, we're really? Doing, there's cheese in Florida? There is, really. <laughs> um, it's, to my knowledge, there are no cheesemakers in Florida. Interesting. Um, there, there are a couple cheese shops, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but it's, it's funny to think, like, you know, different states have mm-hmm. a really big concentration and different right. states, um, you know, don't. So I'm curious, what are your like best selling states? My, the cheese states for sure. I mean, it's a West coast, East coast thing for sure. Um, I, I think our best state clearly is Texas and the Houston dairy maids were like our first wholesale customer. And they just like, they ordered so many Texas boards one holiday season. I was just kind of like, wow, cheese in Texas. Okay, great. And Texans pride in Texas mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. My, my brother married a woman from Texas and uh, they love went their to school sh- their in state. Texas and mm-hmm. they, they love it. They, they love really their do. shape. Yeah. So Texas is, and California is a huge, um, a huge seller. And New York. Yeah. New York does really well. Yeah. And Vermont. Vermont. Yeah. I mean, for as much as someone from Vermont really, I mean, yeah, they do good. Not as well as like Wisconsin. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Vermont's like, we can make our own cutting yeah, boards. Yeah, they're like, we have our own no. workshops <laughs> and we've done this before and, you know, but yeah, we get some, we get some Vermont love. That's good. That's mm-hmm. really good. Well, so another thing that you mentioned a couple minutes ago that kind of sparked, you know, the, the latent artist brain, um, mm-hmm. the, or the latent artist part of my brain was talking about materials. Um, mm-hmm. Why did you choose bamboo for the cheese boards? And what is it, um, I guess, and then what is it like sort of sourcing these different materials for your new items? Um, it's, it's actually bamboo was really initially what Bill had in the shop at the time because he was making these, the, the legend is that he was making these boards the day of the wedding and he really was. (laughs) So he was picking the material that was there and easiest to cut. I mean, hardwoods, they definitely have more of a process. You, you need to sort of lay up more boards to get a bigger board width and, um, length. So the bamboo comes in a sheet and it's manufactured, you know, already ready to go for this kind of process, for the CNC process. But also in the end, it's modern. It's a very modern looking material that a lot of people seem to be interested in these days. I mean, there is this retro sort of like farmhouse thing going, but there's also people are like, it's renewable. It's rapidly renewable. We can get so much of this at any time and we're not sort of in destroying the environment at the same time. And they're very sturdy. It's sturdy. And easy mm-hmm. to clean. Absolutely. And I feel like Ma- some Naturally other... microbiota. I don't know what the word is. Antimicrobial? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, good news. I yeah, didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, very tight grain. And it's grass. It's not actually wood. So Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Two, two for one. Antimicrobial and bamboo is a grass. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And also, I think it's really... Um, What's the word? When you use a knife on it, it's very forgiving. So I guess it's harder. So the knife marks don't sort of show up as much. And as a, as a lazy person, I can say that, you know, I have had plenty of wooden boards mm-hmm. um, split on me over the years Absolutely. because I the wash them. Up of, yeah, exactly. And I don't always oil them and then they split and I feel like bamboo, you don't run it into does that. not split. And yeah. I mean, the construction of the this bamboo is a butcher block construction. So it's like laid up um, horizontally, vertically and then horizontally again. So it's, it's really durable under a lot of water and cutting. Yeah. Yeah. So where the, where does the bamboo come from? The bamboo 
comes from China. And this is, you know, this is a big hot topic for American made products. Sure. But it is responsibly grown. And the company that ultimately distributes it, um, you know, has a sort of vested interest in this particular bamboo farm. And they kind of work back and forth very closely. Yeah. But, you know, someone really in the United States in Florida should come up with, like, <laughs> sheet material and really go to town with an American-made bamboo sheet. It would it would do well. That is an interesting... Well, so maybe that's the next phase. Now we're making... Now I feel like there's more making happening in right. general. And, you know... More raw materials. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. There you go. Let's start a bamboo <laughs> farm in Florida. It's a good... It's a good, like, 20-year plan. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Can cows eat bamboo? Could you make, like, a bamboo cheese or oh, something? I, you know, to my knowledge... To my knowledge, not. But you never know. You right. just never know. Mm-hmm. Pandas. We could pandas. just get some pandas over here. Panda cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can save that for the Halloween episode. Oh, yeah. Scary cheese. Yes. Panda cheese. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I feel like I learned a lot and I am very um, appreciative of the work that you do. So um, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. It's been great. Thank you for having me, Anne. And everyone, check out A Heirloom on Etsy. Get yourself a cutting board. (laughs) See you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.